um, from the Pineapple Revival in Queensland that now live in the US in Texas. And uh, I reached out to Ben and asked if he would put together um, a video just sharing his testimony because he's got this wonderful book. Um, I can't even think what it's called, When God Steps In or something. It is a really, it's a great book. It's on my Kindle. I just can't remember the cover. But anyway, in it, he shares his testimony. So I contacted him and asked if he would film something for us. And so he did that. So part of our pizza night on Friday night for our youth people, we, um, we showed that video. And it was interesting because there was two people. Uh, my son was one of them trying to hide using his phone occasionally and then he would put it down. There was someone else leaning, lying down in the back in the second row, lying down, hiding his phone in the cup, thinking that, I'm 49. I came to the Lord when I was 19. You can't be shiftier than someone that was born shifty. You know? Like, I know what you're doing. I can see it. Anyway, we get to the end of it, and uh, we have a little bit of a discussion. And I have to admit, for the parents that are here, I, I challenged the youth, and I just said, you know, I said, there's nothing more important in your life than your relationship with Jesus. I said, hear my heart, it's more important than your family. It's more important than your friends. It's more important than your schooling because all of those things can be good. But if you don't have your relationship with, with Christ right, what I know is this, there's an eternity with God and an eternity without God. And I want to be sure that I've got this one right. And then we started to speak about the things of God. And I asked them, I asked if they've had encounters with God. I asked where they were in their faith walk with him, you know, if they'd made a commitment to him. And it was quite an open discussion, you know, with just bits and pieces and people sharing. And, and the night was over. Now, I knew nothing at all, but um, my sons got home before I did because I had to drop someone off and close up and all that sort of jazz. Anyway... Nathan, my youngest, wanted to speak to Mel straight away. And so Mel meets him in the bathroom, says, what's wrong, Nathan? And he talks about this video that we had just watched and he wants to be baptised straight away. Yeah? yeah, I reckon that's pretty exciting. Yeah? Like, that caught me by surprise. He's my 11-year-old. He's the one that stretches my faith when it comes to parenting and yet something in that video touched him, Yeah? So I share that to say this, if you've got young people, you know what, sometimes drag them to the house of God, drag them in and around people that believe in Jesus, that they can be almost convicted in themselves that oh, this thing's real and I want to step into it, yeah? Because better that they get that right than they get straight A's at school and I know some parents will say, no chance, no way. I'm telling you, I'd rather my, all my kids have a relationship with Jesus and get through school with C's and D's than to go through school with A's and not have faith. That's my personal conviction, yeah? So next week on Sunday, we're going to have a baptism. My son's going to be baptised. Hey, board and elders, we've got a baptism coming up. <laughs> so there's people in the house that I know I have spoken to that have been considering being baptised. Now it's time to put the chicken line behind you, step up, Continue to have the conversation with me this week and let's do the deal. Let's finally say, Jesus, you're real. You know, you've considered it, you've thought about it, you've read about it. We know the teaching on baptism is sound. There is no reason why anyone shouldn't ever be water baptised. Yeah? It's got nothing to do with your salvation. Your salvation's secure, but it is another step in your, your faith journey. Yeah? In saying that, if you've considered it, you know who's spoken to me. 
You know you have. Now it's time in Jesus' name. I would love to baptise just more than my son. Not because it's a baptism, just not because it's the day. Because you know what? Sometimes we just have to stand up for Jesus. And nothing says that we love him more than putting our hand up, saying yes, stepping into the water, saying yes, sharing our faith, and saying he's real. Amen? <sighs> Got that off my chest. That's awesome. For all those that I offended last week about my comment uh, about the Akubra hat, I apologise. I haven't changed my mind. We'll continue. Let's pray. Okay. <laughs> Father... I just pray that you would have your way this morning. Speak through me. Speak to us all that, Lord, like I always desire, that we would be transformed more into the image of your son, Jesus. Lord, I love the fact that we're coming into a time of year where the world actually slows down, stops, and focuses on the birth of our Saviour. God, may this be an opportunity and a season for us to grow in our faith, mature in our faith, and share our faith. Lord, that those around us, those in our community, may discover Jesus at this time. We love you, we love you, we love you. And everybody said? Amen. Awesome. All right. So what I want to talk about today is community. Over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at guarding. I've talked about guarding our heart. And guarding our heart is keeping what the Lord has placed in there. It's not so much about keeping stuff out, but it's about keeping stuff in, knowing that God loves us, knowing that we're valued, knowing that we're worthy because of him, knowing those things, and that's what we guard. And in guarding those things, in knowing how he sees us, we can't help but when we look across the board at everyone we know, then all of a sudden, because we have an understanding and a knowing that we've guarded in our hearts on how he sees us, we actually now know how he sees everybody else. We know that God values his creation. We know that he died for every single person. We know so much, he's placed so much value on them that the cross happened. And if we can understand how he sees people, then we will actually treat people different in every circumstance of life. Even when we're being or having wrong done to us, we will still react differently. Yeah? Because we know the value that God places on people. Having said that, knowing the value that God places on people... I actually think that the key to the kingdom is a people that are living in one accord and in unity. And I don't just mean the four walls of a church, but I just mean Christianity in general. But certainly I just think community is something that God has us aspiring to. And so that's what I want to talk about today because you and I are a community. You know, we, we actually live together as a community. Mount Clear Church of Christ, we are a community. We are in the community, set in the community, within a community. And we are a community itself. Tonight, we've got people coming to decorate the tree to, to receive gifts. A majority of those that don't step into a church, that don't know Jesus, that are from our community. But how much sweeter would it be if they walked into this place and discovered a community, a people of common union together, yeah? Like It would be surreal, wouldn't it? Because they would come in and they would sense the love, they'd sense the camaraderie, they'd sense the presence and the spirit of God and they'd think, man, what have I been missing out on? You know. So community is like deeply, deeply important. And I love the work that Ray and Vicky have put into tonight. We've decorated the tree now for years. Yeah, we should give them a clap. Well done. 
We've, we've decorated the tree for years and we've always and often had people invite family members to come along because the kids just have a ball. You know, we have our Barbie, the kids dress the tree, we sing some carols, we have some coffee and everyone goes home happy. And now added to that, we're giving gifts with all the work that, that Ray and Vicky have done. Really, tonight is a, an integral, a special opportunity that we have as a community, as a people, within Mount Clear and within Ballarat, yeah? So I'm looking forward to tonight. For now, let's have a look at Acts chapter 2. We're going to do a little bit of reading and then uh, we'll see where we go. So on the day of Pentecost, I'm checking the time. Cool. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of mighty uh, windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone um, present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they'd heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, can never pronounce that one, Pamphylia, Egypt and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Like It just goes on and on, doesn't it? It's like a tongue twister. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages and the wonderful things God has done. And now I want to jump to verse 40. And Peter continued preaching for a long time. Let's just pause there for a minute. You know, you cannot take that out of the Bible. It is there entrenched like, then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Then Andrew continued preaching for a long time. Like, I love it. Strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believe what Peter said were baptised and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. I just want to add there, if there was miraculous signs and wonders then, then we should, as a New Testament church, be walking in and experiencing and encounters and encountering miraculous signs and wonders now yeah that's not what we chase but as we go after god all that he is when we as we like we do with a relationship you know when you go after a relationship because you want to you want to somehow make it deeper more intimate yeah when we do that with god we actually step into a spiritual realm where miraculous signs and miracles happen all the time it doesn't just happen for the preachers on TV. It doesn't just happen for the Christians that live in third world developing nations. He can, and it does happen for you and I here in Ballarat. Yeah, New Testament church. We're the New Testament believers. Verse 44 reads, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know, the reason I want to talk about community is because it's important to know what's important in this community, in this house. It's important for us to know what's important for Mount Clear Church of Christ. 
You know, it's important for us to know what makes us unique, what makes us special, what sets us apart. Because every community, every church community, regardless of denomination, has something that sets it apart. It has a prophetic destiny that's been laid within it by Holy Spirit uh, himself from the very moment that church was birthed. So what sets those churches apart? What sets us apart? It's important to know those things. And now... When we look at the book of Acts in chapter 2, this is the beginning of the New Testament church. And you and I, really, we are the New Testament church. And we see Jesus, he's telling his disciples to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. Yeah? And we know that Jesus spoke to 500 people, and 500 people, you know, of those 500 people, about 120 make it to the upper room. And they get to the upper room, and they're in one place. And the word says very clearly, they're in one accord. Yeah? They're in unity. And as they're in unity, the Holy Spirit comes and begins to move. You know, the key there is not the number of people that were in that room. It's the fact that they were in unity. It's the fact that they had a common union together. And because of that unity, the Holy Spirit just starts moving, starts flowing. There's something powerful about unity. Something, there's something powerful about whether it's a church, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a group of people, whatever it is, when there's something that's united together and in unity, yeah? There's something powerful about it. And when it comes to church life, to you and I as Christians, there's something powerful because it causes the Holy Spirit to move. Yeah? You can't stop a group that's unified. You can't stop a church that's unified. You can't stop a marriage that's unified, a family, a nation that's unified. See, people join together as one. If everything about God is people, if he loves people, when a people that are joined together as one, as community, that's the key to the kingdom. You know, Ross and I were were talking only earlier. You only have to look at other faiths, yeah, where they just do everything because they're told to do it. Yeah? Things work because it's a principle and a precept of God. In Christianity, we have this wonderful opportunity to come together in unity. And because of that, because it's a precept of God, things will just work. But what happens in faith, our strength becomes our Achilles heel. And rather than working together as one, They speak in tongues, they don't speak in tongues. They raise their hands, they don't raise their hands. What makes us different doesn't make us wrong, it's just different, yeah? And so the very thing that God has given us so that we can be a unified force, not in uniformity, but a unified force as community, somehow it's caused us to be, you know, unraveled and not experience the power that we could actually experience as they did in Acts chapter 2 because they were in unity. You know, Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 12, 25. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. The enemy doesn't have to do anything else than to bring disunity into a church. Just has to to bring discord, gossip, strife, and, and, and it paralyzes the church. If you've got that stuff in your relationship, in your marriage, it ruins your marriage, doesn't it? If there's gossip, yeah? If there's this... Discord happening, if there's strife, it ruins a relationship. It does the same within a church family. So you and I, we have to learn to work things out the same way that we work things out with our relationships. We have to fight for those things. We've got to talk things out. We have to be unified. Mount Clear Church of Christ, as far as our elders and our board and our leaders are concerned, we need to be in unity. That doesn't mean uniformity because really 
Unity embraces diversity, it just does. We just need to be on the same page. Loving each other, that's how community comes together. The key to the kingdom is a people coming together in one accord in unity. We have to be unified, a common union. There's power in unity. Think of it like this. God's precept is so powerful that in Genesis 11, verse 1 to 7, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. Now get what he says in verse 6. I think it's 6. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they've begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. So the other side of that is, if this is what a people in speaking in one language can do, imagine what's possible for a people that are totally unified, that embrace the diversity that they have amongst them and are just so focused on God, imagine what's possible for that community. Imagine what we could do. Imagine what one-to-one could do. Imagine what St. Paul's Cathedral could do. Imagine what Ebenezer Church, imagine what would happen in Ballarat if every community was like that. I mean, that's awesome. That doesn't discourage me. That encourages me to know what's possible. Yeah? When I look at a recipe, I don't get discouraged because it's got 27 steps. Once I get through them, But I'm encouraged because I can see the picture and and I can see what it's going to look like and I know how it's going to taste and so I persevere. And then in persevering, it's like, oh man, Dad, you're a better cook than Mum. Well, yes, I am. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm not even going to argue it. I know it. Yeah, Mel's in kids' church. You can run out and tell her, but I'll be gone before she gets in here. There's power in the middle of unity. So on the day, when the day of Pentecost comes, because there's unity, Holy Spirit comes as a mighty rushing wind, yeah? And there were tongues of fire. So when we come together in a sole purpose to glorify and honour Jesus, when we do that, the Holy Spirit comes and moves in great power. That's what happens. When we come in here and we don't feel like it, we all have those Sundays occasionally, even the minister, and you don't feel like it, but the band starts playing and they're pushing through their stuff. And you think, you know what? You're God, regardless of how I feel. I'm just going to lift my... I'm just going to pursue you. And all of a sudden, we take a posture and we start to dance before the Lord like David danced. You've got to remember, all of Israel was there, but his wife wasn't there. His, why wasn't his wife there? She's looking from afar off saying, Oh, look, look at all those people. Sometimes when you're pursuing God, it makes no sense to others on the outside. Yeah, We learnt really clearly on um, Wednesday that if you're not participating in something, often it makes you feel like that thing is weird, like looks a bit foolish. But he's David and he starts dancing before the Lord and the presence of God just goes where he goes. When you and I are able just to, in unity together, just worship God, just praise him, just thank him, remembering of the good things that he's done in our lives when we can do that not worrying about who's behind us who's listening to us you know what there's no secrets really uh, uh, amongst christians 
If you think, what, your life was bad? Look at the person next to you. Theirs was probably worse. Person on the other side, theirs was definitely worse. You know, think about it. Like, there's nothing. There's, the wheel doesn't have to be reinvented. We've all done things in our past. But when we're just coming openly and say, hey, Lord, you are, man, what a terrible week I had. You know, I just, I could, that driver, I could have just driven into the back of his car and pushed him all the way down the road. Yeah. People who drive big trucks know what that's like. I'm just going to push this little guy out the way. He's driving me insane. The speed limit's 80. Don't sit on 60. Ever have those moments? Just me, yeah? Or are you one of those people that does 60? Now I'm going to have to ask for forgiveness. I've thought some terrible things. <laughs> if we could just be in unity together, particularly when it's around the gospel, when it's around Jesus, you don't have to worship like somebody else does. But you need to encourage them in their worship. You don't have to pray like somebody else does, but you need to get behind somebody and champion them in their prayers. We don't have to be the same. We embrace diversity in our unity. The Holy Spirit comes and moves in great power. The presence of God's tangible. And Acts chapter 2 says the anointing falls on people. And the anointing fell because they were unified. Because where there's unity, God commands the blessing, yeah? Psalm 133. How good and pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity? It is like precious oil poured on the, on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hemron were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Where they're unified, where there's unity, God commands the blessing. I love that. Because if it's a command from God, can his angels, can the Holy Spirit say no to God? I know that, you know, Father, Son and Holy Ghost, all of them are three in one, but they all have their individual tasks to perform. Holy Spirit's never going to say to Father, because they're never out of unity. I don't agree with that. Yeah? So if God's commanding a blessing on his people, Holy Spirit has to move. We have to be the recipients because God commanded it. I love that. We have to be. We're going to be blessed because he made it so. Like, that's cool. There's power in unity. And the Trinity is attracted to it. Matthew 9, verses 1 to 2 says, Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. I want to show you how powerful, how powerful it is if we can live in community. Yeah? When, watch this. When Jesus saw his faith, it says, their faith. Yeah? When Jesus saw their faith, we often like skip over the top of this really quickly because they brought their buddy to get healed, you know. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for driving me to the city, to the airport. Thanks for doing that. Thanks for helping me out. Thanks for being there when things were falling apart. When he saw their faith, because they had come together. Not the paralytic's faith, but their faith. They were in unity, one accord. They were unified. And so what happens? The Spirit of God moves. And the guy gets healed because of their faith. Holy Spirit walks in here and we're praying for someone. So let's, let's start a new chapter. And because of their faith, so-and-so was healed. Like, that's palpable. That's, that's tangible. We could do that. 
You know, when, when we're here and we're praying for someone, and often I'll say, hey, raise your hands to heaven. Don't be shy. Grab your hand, pick it up with the other one and point it towards them. And together in unity, let's pray. Yeah? Because when he sees their faith, he was healed. It had nothing to do with him. He wanted to be healed, but he's probably had prayer a thousand times. He's probably felt like, oh, here we go again. Oh, flipping heck. You know? You ever had one of those people that you've wanted to pray for? Let me pray for you. I know people have prayed for me before. Not, you, know, you know, like, it's okay. It's really okay. I'm okay with who I am, where I'm at. No, 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 come on. And when you saw their faith, I mean, that's a community in unity together. The key, God's favourite thing, people coming together like a jigsaw. The key to the kingdom and the kingdom flows. That's brilliant. That is so, so good. There's power in unity. And in Acts, they say that they saw tongues of fire fall on every individual. So the Holy Spirit lands on every person. And when that happened, gifts and, and, and graces and talents fell on everyone. But it's not the same. What you got is not what you got because you were speaking a different language than what you were speaking. And you were speaking a different language than what he was speaking. There was different things that fell on different people. That's how the church works. That's how community works. Different gifts, different graces, different talents that God gives to each of us that suit us. Yeah. So you might be really good. I'm not a really good singer. Someone might be a really good singer. They might see that I have a weakness in singing. I don't hold a tone very well. So they might come alongside me and say, you know what, I can teach you to sing better. Now that might not happen, but it might happen. Because in my weakness, their strength is going to be a blessing to me. Within this house alone, let alone other, uh, other communities, you might be really good with finances, but you know someone else in the house is dreadful with finances. You know people like that? No? Okay, no one wants to own up. Yeah, don't point to the person next to you. That's not right. If you're really good with finances, then get alongside someone who's not so good with finances and use your strength to help them. If you're someone that's got a healing gift and you can see someone needs healing, wouldn't you use your gift to help them? This is how a community works. This is why the Holy Spirit fell on every individual. Now, there's a special gift and ability that God has given to you, every single one of us that are here right now. Yeah, All we need to do is learn what that is and use it because he's given it to us. You know, One of my gifts, I think, is communication. Yours could be hospitality. Yours could be healing. I don't know what it is need to discover what it is and it doesn't have to be something that operates in the wall of the church it could open operate in your homes in your schools in your workplaces you've got to discover what that gift is you might be one of the best listeners going around that then can offer life and advice to people in your sphere of influence because they're comfortable sharing with you discover the gift that god's given you yeah in life so many people look at others and what others have and what they can do but I don't think we should do that I can't do what Ray and Vicky does I couldn't do I couldn't organize all those gifts It'd drive me insane hear my heart Ray and Vicky one night with the youth rapping out the back man I had enough at 10 o'clock people were still rapping my kids were my excuse to get out like I had enough I can't do what they do I'm not gifted there and that's okay but I can still help as far as I could go, yeah? I watched Samuel play the drums. 
I air drum out of time, yeah? We're not all gifted the same, and that's okay. But together, with all our individual gifts, we actually are a community. That's how community works. You know, I think we all want and have always wanted an open church. A church where all its family ministers in its gifting, yeah? Because there's power in unity, there's power in diversity. And we can actually learn things from other people if we're prepared to be open and vulnerable about where we're weak. So someone can see that and think, you know what? I actually, I'm not like that. I'm the opposite. I can help them. But if we're never vulnerable, how can we do that? How can we step alongside someone if we always play our cards so close to their chest? And everyone goes, how are you going? You know, even over coffee, how are you going? Really good? How's life? Fantastic. You know, you've got bills that you can't pay. Your marriage is falling apart. You know, you've got some addiction to some drug that you don't want to tell anyone. You know, I'm just throwing things out there. If we always play our cards so close to our chest, how can the body, the community, how can we come alongside each other to help each other? Yeah, there's a challenge in that, in us being open. There's also a beautiful challenge in us who are gifted in areas to come alongside people as God leads us, yeah? I love this because on the day of Pentecost, they come out of the room being filled with the Spirit and they spoke in multiple languages. Different people heard them speaking in their own language. You know, the New Testament church, which we are, was a church that could speak into different cultures. I love the fact that even in our house, whether there's many of us or whether there's few of us, we're in a Mount Clear Church of Christ. I'm going to put it out there. We're in a sort of an eclectic sort of a bunch, you know. You know, we're like different plates, different bowls, different cups. Some match, some don't quite match, some sort of match. You know what I love about that? I'll tell you what I love about that. It means that because we're eclectic, because there's so many different people here with so many different gifts and graces and talents, that means we can reach every part of the community. So you walk into a church where they, you feel like it's just cookie cutter and everybody's the same, well, that's got limited outreach, doesn't it? Because you can only speak in your language into your sphere of influence. I can't speak into your sphere of influence and in your language I speak different to you. You, know? you could be in a work site where they swear every second word and you just know how to communicate. I'm, I might not be able to do that. I might be able to do that too well. I don't know, you know. But we all, get, we all have the ability and the gift and the talent to speak into our communities that we're actually involved, involved in while we're part of the community. It means we can speak into every area of society. And I love this because the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and then Peter, look, he gets up to preach. Peter gets up to preach, yeah? Now we know that Peter actually denied Jesus three times. Three times he denies Jesus to a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> three times. Even curses Jesus three times in his denying. But somehow he makes it to the upper room. I don't know who this is for, but legitimately, it's not over until a fat lady sings. Don't measure your life by one mistake. You know, Peter denied Jesus three times, cursed him three times. It Somehow he makes it to the upper room. And on the day of Pentecost, it says that he gets up and he preaches and 3,000 people get saved. Now we have to see this and embrace this. This is how important people are. This is how important community is. What's the difference between Peter denying Jesus three times and Peter preaching a sermon where 3,000 people get saved? What's the difference? 
It's not just the Holy Spirit. See, when Peter denied Jesus three times, he was there by himself. No one else was around. He was totally alone, isolated. You've got to get this, isolated. You can check the stats for yourself. He was there by himself. But when he preached, 3,000 people were saved. It says that Peter stood up with the eleven. The 11 were standing behind him. The the 11 were championing him. Even if he was discouraged, they would have been, come on, Pete, you got this, man. You can do it. Just just let it out. The way you speak to us, go for it. I I don't know, guys. There's a lot of people out there. Look at them all. Look at the guy down the back. No way. I don't want to preach to him. He hasn't smiled once, you know. Come on, Pete, go for it. And so he preaches. Preaches a gospel message where 3,000 people are saved. The difference is he wasn't alone. Please don't tell me you can be a Christian and do life alone. Please don't tell me that you can be a Christian and live outside of community. Please show me in the New Testament where it's just you and Jesus. It does not exist in the New Testament. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that your faith has to be connected to a house like you can't do anything without it, but you need to have a home, a people, a community that will be there to champion you in your times of struggle, in your trials, in your tribulations. When you need to step out in faith, you need to know that someone's saying, you know what, you want to start a shooting school so you can open up for men? Do it, Laurie. Go for it, man. That's awesome. I'm going to come and shoot a gun with you. I can't hit a can, but I'm sure I can hit a big tree if I'm close enough. You know, champion somebody in what they're doing. There were 11 people that stood behind them. You know, the main point of this message is that you and I, we were created for community. People joined together in community. It's the key to the kingdom. Like, it is key to the kingdom. In Acts 2, 40 to 47 that we read before, they went house to house fellowshipping and breaking bread. I I love this. And now they're getting into the apostles teaching the word, says they were in koinonia is the word, yeah? And koinonia is a Greek word for fellowship. So they were building a community of faith, which means if 3,000 people got saved as they were building a community of faith and the average house could fit about 10 people, that means there was at least 300 friendship groups, connect groups, Bible studies that were happening to totally look after these people that were just saved. Because they couldn't fit 3,000 people week in and week out, could they? Because they knew, understood the importance of community. Being together in one accord is key to the kingdom. It's the picture of the New Testament church, a group of people in unity, in common union. And in that place, they start living out community. Now, Rick Warren puts it really clearly. Here's his quote. You ready? You're created for community. That's it. You and I were created to be in relationship with people around us. Whether you're introverted, whether you're extroverted, whether you're extreme extrovert, whether you're an extreme introvert, you still need people around you. There are times where your own voice won't cut it because the enemy loves to work in that space. And it's times where so many voices won't cut it and you just need your own space. 
You can't have an individual faith without a corporate faith and you cannot have a corporate faith without your individual intimate faith. They go hand in hand. It's never either or. It's always and both. Always. Always. You know, think about it for a minute. Adam was living in perfection. He wasn't living in sin yet. He was walking around naked. I figure that Adam, being God's first man, I reckon, I'm just assuming he was strapping. You know, he had a six-pack, he had guns, he was probably 6'2", you know. I just imagine, you know, I don't know if God would make a little short Jewish man as his first bloke. You know, that would be disappointing. Oh, nothing against the Jews, you know, or, or southern Italians, you know. Like I'm just saying, I just imagine that the first man, Adam, would have been strapping. And there he was, you know, just frolicking nakedly, you know. He didn't care. And then God says, you're not complete. I don't know. I looked in the mirror, God, I'm, I'm pretty good. I was, watching, um, I was watching Beauty and the Beast with the kids and um, we both watched the, the old animated and the, the new one recently, but where Gaston's looking in the mirror and he's talking, you know, and you think he's talking to Belle, the girl, you are, you are so beautiful. There is no one as beautiful as you. Like he's talking and then the camera pans and he's talking to himself. I wonder if Adam was like that, God, like I'm a specimen, you know, like when you made me, you threw away the mole this time, like... And God still thinks he's not complete because he's not in community. He's not in relationship. There was no one there for him. So God puts him to sleep, <laughs> pulls out a rib, forms Eve. Eve happens to be naked too. Adam wakes up. Guess what he sees? A naked woman. Maybe I'm just male. I enjoy waking up to a naked woman. My wife usually, yeah? Always. I'm digging a hole. Let's keep moving forward. But there they are. They're in community and God creates families. And then he creates nations. And then he creates people groups. He creates community. Because God's a communal God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's who he is. Christianity was never meant to be lived alone. Even Jesus, the Son of God, when he came to earth, he could have lived alone, but he chose community. And he chose 12 eclectic misfits to do life with over three years. And he allowed three of them to get super close. Even he did that. And Jesus is our example. He connected and he knew the power of community. You know, I, I think that's why we as a church and why every church has their connect groups or friendship groups. You know, I can't encourage you enough to get into one, to make a sacrifice, to get out at night, to do something, find one, be involved with one, because it's the relationships that you build there that are, that are important. It's not the Bible study. It's not the Bible study that's important in that space. It's the community that you build in that space. It's the people that will be there for you, even when you're in hospital, that will come and visit and check up on you when the pastor doesn't, because he doesn't know or he forgets. Yeah, But they'll be there. It's all about community. People join together as one is the key for the kingdom. You know, so many people, I think, in churches all over the globe are used to just coming to church and sitting in the same seats and looking at the same bald patches at the back of the same bald heads, you know. Praise God. People are laughing. Sorry, John. (laughs) 
I didn't think of John or Barry at the time when I wrote this. But praise God that at least you've got a pastor that sits at the front that has all his hair. You know, no, but see, that's not the point of it. I'm going downhill fast. <laughs> we weren't just created to stare at the back of people's heads. We were created for community. Mount Clear Church of Christ is a community. And, and I could go on and on, and I, I, I won't, but I, I'll say this. We have more power when others are involved. Yeah? It says in Ecclesiastes 4.9, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. Very simple, very clear. Yeah? We have someone to help us when we're down. Ecclesiastes 4.10, if one person falls, the other can reach out and kick him while he's down. It does not say. It says that he will help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Why do people isolate themselves? It says others will pick you up. Life as a community is about those around you lifting each other up and not putting each other down. You know, why don't we stand as I finish with this one comment? There is comfort in community. There is comfort in companionship. Chapter, uh, verse 11 of Ecclesiastes 4 says, Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? Well, we could have a cold streak in Ballarat, which is probably normal, I guess, even on the first day of summer. But think of it like this. Mel and I go to bed. That's what we do. That's what a couple does. She often goes to bed before me. I go to bed after her. My feet are always cold. I love to put my cold feet on her warm legs. I've learnt now to keep my head on the far side of the king-size bed because she's got a far reach when that happens. Yeah? I don't know why, but she doesn't like it. But all I know is that I will get warmer quicker if I can get close to that warm, warmer body. I've only just got into bed. What's warmth got to do with church and with community? Simple. Warmth in the Bible is symbolic of health and vitality. Yeah? See, when you encounter something dead, like a dead body, a dead dog, a dead pigeon, a dead kangaroo, unless it's just been killed, it's as stiff as a doornail, rigor mortis is sitting, and it's cold. Yeah? Rigid. So warmth actually says when you connect in friendship groups, when you connect with other believers, when you and I are in true community with one another, life becomes warmer. Yeah? It's just easier to do. It's just easier to move forward. And my prayer is that we would find a place of community here at Mount Clear Church of Christ. My prayer is that tonight, when people are coming to receive gifts that don't know Jesus, my prayer is that as a community, we would rally together as a community for those that are coming in from the community so that they can discover what you and I have been guarding in our hearts, the knowledge of how valuable, how worth Worthy we are because of what's happened on the cross. How much the living God actually loves them because they've been and encountered a community. And where there's unity, the Holy Spirit moves and his anointing falls. And then you start to speak to people and they hear you in their language, yeah? Because we can reach all parts of society. That's my heart, yeah? I hope, I hope, I'm believing that's our heart 
for this house. I'm believing that those that are our guests here or that are relatively new here will start to capture our heart as God continues to build his church in Jesus' name. Amen? So why don't we pray? Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the wonderful example that you've given us, Lord, through Old Testament, through New Testament, that you love people and that you love it when people come together in unity. And Father, when they're in unity, you command the blessing. And Father, when they're in unity, Holy Spirit, you just fall and pour out your anointing and your gifts and your graces and your talents. Father, I pray that we would be a church that would continue to grow in community, that we would continue to grow in love with one another, that we would be open and vulnerable, that we would learn to love the person on our left and on our right, even in areas where we disagree with them, God, or where they disagree with us. Father, may we be such a community that others within our community are drawn to this place. Father, not because we're rich, not because we own anything special, but because the spirit of the living God is chasing us as we go before him, glorifying him, praising him, dancing, worshipping. So thank you. We thank you for your challenge. We thank you for your heart. We thank you for this house. We thank you for every person that's called Mount Clear Home and who will call Mount Clear Home. We ask for your anointing on tonight, that it will be all that we have dreamed and prayed it would be. And everybody said? Amen? Amen. Amen. See you tonight, I hope.